Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushable. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Sound Prince for the week of October 11, 2015. ACB Families is a special interest affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. Families sponsors fun activities at ACB national conventions and information-packed telephone workshops throughout the year. ACB Families is holding a membership drive. Dues are $8 a person, and everyone who joins by the end of October this year will not only be a member throughout 2016, but will have a chance to win a $50 or a $100 gift certificate. For more information and to... Pay dues, call Adam Rushevel, ACB Families Treasurer, at 502-303-7078. The Kentucky Council of the Blind 2015 Convention is coming up November 13 and 14 at the Ramada Inn North, 1041 Zorn Avenue in Louisville. KCB was chartered at the 5th Annual ACB Convention in 1965, held here in Louisville. So, we are celebrating 50 golden years of service and advocacy for blind and visually impaired Kentuckians. Pre-registration opens the end of this week. Total cost of the convention, three meals and all programs, workshops, and exhibits, is $33 in advance or $48 at the door. If you want to stay at the hotel, room rates are $75 a night plus tax. Your room rate includes free Wi-Fi and free breakfast. Room reservations need to be made by October 30. Call 502-897-5101 to make reservations, and be sure to let the hotel know you are with the Kentucky Council of the Blind so you receive our discounted rate. For more information about registration, Call 502-895-4598 or visit the KCB website at kentucky-acb.org. Adam Rushevel led a group discussion time at the October 9 GLCB Roundabout on the subject of tipping. Should you tip? Why and how much? When should you tip? And when is tipping not appropriate? Listen to part of the discussion on page two and thanks to Adam for editing the discussion time for us for sound prints. By the way, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind had a dine-out at Mark's Feed Store, home of incredibly good barbecue, on Saturday, October 10, the day following our tipping discussion. Ironically, we failed to mention in our discussion that sometimes, especially with large group situations, the tip is added to the check automatically. This was the case at Mark's because we had 21 people in our group. And a note about the numbers. 20 folks took part in the Friday roundabout on October 9, and 21 were at Mark's feed store. About half of the people came to both events. Our unduplicated count for both Greater Louisville activities was 31. Helena Keaton, a graduate of the Kentucky School for the Blind and a resident of Louisville, visits us on page 3. Learn about her interesting part-time job, one that many people would assume would be very difficult for a blind person to perform, 
and how she has taken the initiative to make it accessible for her as a blind person. Learn how her initiative in handling her job duties has made her a more valuable employee and how it has helped her to obtain more work. Discover also how she plans to juggle a second job to turn two part-time opportunities into a steadier, more consistent work schedule and source of income. And on page four is the Soundprints calendar. Page two. I think we'll go ahead and get started with our uh, session to talk about tipping. And of course, I could tell you to go with the third horse in the fourth race, that'd be a tip. Or, uh, you know, to find the tip of something, your cane or something like that. But I'm not sure how much that would help. But really, what we need to do is talk about how to tip if you're in a restaurant or transportation or uh, somebody does a favor for you. Possibly could be uh, somebody that you pay uh, to clean your house. Uh, yes, airports, hotels, right. I read a short story by Isaac Asimov one time, Black Widower's uh, oh, yeah. stories. And one of them, uh, one of the black widowers came in from a cab where he had some problems and they got in a discussion about tipping and whether you should tip. And so they referred it to their uh, servant, um, who of course is the uh, man who always solved the mysteries in the stories. And uh, he suggested that tipping was a good thing to do, even if you may have gotten bad service or whatever because sometimes people uh, may have a bad day or they uh, you know just uh, they might increase your bad day but still they depended on that a lot of times for their living and you have to make allowances sometimes personally I, I think that when you plan to go let's say to a restaurant that you need to plan how much you can spend, including the tip. Uh, in other words, if you think you can spend uh, $20 and you like to tip about 15, 15%, then you can figure you know, that that's going to be about, what, uh, $3? Yeah. yeah. So, that means your meal would run you about 17 and you'd have $3 for the tip. So you might think ahead like that. And the same is true with uh, transportation. A lot of times you'll take uh, transportation in a cab where you, if you do it enough, you, you know what the ride is going to be from past experience. And so you can figure your tip on that. I, I like to tip. Uh, I think 15% is kind of considered a good uh, rate. Uh, 
recently, I, I think some people suggest 20 just because of uh, inflation and that sort of thing. I, I don't know. But 15 has kind of always been the standard. In Kentucky, most restaurants pay Kentucky minimum wage, which is $2.18 an hour. For no, that's, that's state, that is state minimum wage. For restaurant yes. Because it is assumed that the, that you are going to tip, that the customer is going to tip. However, there are some exceptions to that. Um, for example, when you go to a hotel, um, the people down in the regular restaurants are, um, now this, at least they used to be, paid state minimum wage, and then the people in banquets make uh, the regular minimum wage. And Carl, I'd like to add a couple things too. For instance, if, if you're in a cab, sometimes cab drivers will really lay a guilt trip on you or make you feel mm -hmm. sad and sorry for yep. Oh, I've just had three runs today. You know, I've been out for 12 hours, and oh my, you know, they turned my electricity off. And well, my suggestion to you is to tip as you normally would, and um, you know, bypass that. Another thing too, though, is that I was at a conference one time with uh, some people in in a hotel, and we sat down to eat lunch. And a waiter came over, and he was kind of unsure of himself, or at least it seemed like that. And he later explained that this was his first day on a job, and he asked, you know, for us to be a little patient. And I certainly didn't have a problem with that. But one of the people I was with complained during the whole meal. Oh, I didn't get enough sugar on this I you know where, where's my napkin where's this where's that you know in other words it was you know oh they forgot to bring this that you know well why do we have to wait so long after a while I, I kind of got a little irritated at it knowing that this was the person's first time to work and so I didn't mind tipping as I usually do whereas I'm pretty certain that other person did not. They probably thought the waiter got his just desserts, and whereas this person may not have gotten any dessert at all. But uh, I was, uh, I was hoping which, you'd jump on that. You know, you have to. Uh, uh, you know, I think you can kind of tell whether people are telling the truth, whether it's their first time, or whether the electricity getting cut off is just to make you feel feel funny about it. Did you have something? What situation, in the situation where you're paying with a credit card, is it better to have cash on hand that you can make sure the, the server gets or put your tip on the credit card? Personally, I, I like to give cash directly to the waiter if I can, whether it's credit card or, or whether I pay at the table. Uh, you know, but if, if I go to the cash register, um, I usually try to tip the wait person in a restaurant, for instance, and then at the register just pay the credit card or whatever and tell them, you know, just say I, I left the tip at the table or something like that.
Yeah, I think if they, uh, if, if you pay at the table, for instance, yeah, directly to the waiter or waitress, when they go out to the thing and you've already told them how much to add on, yeah, I, I feel pretty certain they would oh, get that's, that. That's what I usually do. Okay, so Ellen? What about the situation of things like tip jars where um, the places they want you to put the money in a communal jar so that, yeah, your waitress who did a bang up job will get the tip, but so will um, the one, maybe somebody who's been more sloughing off. Okay, Barbara? Okay, um, sometimes at one of the first jobs that my son Mike had when he was still in high school actually, was working out at Executive Inn. And he worked in a situation where the tips were shared. And he was a busboy. Oftentimes there is a, they have a system and they tell them this is what it's gonna be and this is how the, the percentage will be shared. Could possibility be, we've seen like where some either restaurants or like a, uh, maybe an ice cream shop or something. Yeah, in a tip jar. Maybe they're collecting for a charity, so maybe that tip jar won't even go to the, like, the wait staff. I assume that if it's for a charity, though, that it's supposed to go to that and not to the wait staff. I worked at McAllister's, and our tips, we, we couldn't get them. We would, had to put them in the charity thing. So they went to Crusade for two of them. I'm saying, okay, so the restaurant policy was yep. wait staff did not receive tips if they did it went to the chair yes okay thank you another thing that um adam has often talked about and that didn't uh, at first i didn't agree but I, I sure do after seeing how obviously it works um but you know for us as blind people when we go to a place that we're not familiar with sometimes it's really nice to have someone who will come up and you know, and, and help, and help, if, especially if you're in one of these huge hotels with a great big lobby and all this stuff, you know, you could wander around for years looking for the front door, but you've all been somewhere like that. And so when, when we go to a place, um, you know, Adam always gives them a really nice tip, and I'm like, Adam, you don't have to tip them that much. You know what, every time we stick our nose off the elevator, they're right there. Did you need help? Where would you like to go? Oh, can I be a help? Sir, can I show you to, you know, whatever. And, um, and, and it's just, you know, because they know that they aren't expecting always a tip every time. But I'm telling you, in Dallas, the hotel was enormous. And, I mean, it was a bigger than Texas size hotel. And, you know, we, we hardly ever went all the way through that lobby without some hotel person coming up and saying, hey, can I help? Yeah, speaking of uh, tipping in airports, I did that. And uh, when I lived in northern Kentucky, a lady that uh, used to, that we knew, uh, Carol Michael Fresh, her husband Ray worked at the airport and uh, worked for Delta, I believe it was. And several times uh, I'd be going somewhere and they would send Ray up to help me to get to wherever I needed to go. And I remember the first time I would give him a tip and he said, you don't have to do that, I know you. And I said, you know, Ray, I would give anybody else a tip. So, yes, sir, I'm going to give you a tip. You deserve it as much as anybody else. 
And also, I think that uh, I've noticed, like, even I'll do it on a cruise or a hotel, whatever, but uh, if you're a person with a guide dog, you know, the staff lots of times is going to have a little bit more to clean up with dog hair or whatever, possibly. So I always maybe leave like an extra uh, 10, or, uh, 10 or something like that, 5, 10, whatever, for uh, at the hotel, you know, just for their trouble that they have to go through. And I did that one time, you know, had a dog that got sick. I was in a restaurant, and when I went to leave, I left the waitress attend the, uh, the, gave her a $10 tip, you know, because of the trouble that she had to go through, you know, clean everything up. And, you know, my idea is, like Adam said, you know, the next time I go in there, they'll remember that. But, like, you know, we say, like, 15%, but, you know, of whatever, but if somebody's not good in math, how do you figure out what 15%? You know, or 20%, you know, of your bill is? Yeah. Sure. Pretend that your bill is $17.50. Yeah. <laughs> 17.50. Now, so what you do is first you take 10%, which by do, to do that, you just move the decimal point. So instead of it being 17.50, it's going to be 1.75. So you just move the decimal point over one place. So that's $1.75. Okay. Now, you say, well, then you got to do the other 5%. How do you do that? How do you do 5% of $17.50? I can't do that. Well, you don't have to because you can just take half of $1.75 or near half of $1.75. So I would round that up to a, to a dollar eighty, and so that'd be ninety cents. Okay. So then a dollar seventy-five plus ninety, or maybe even a whole dollar. So that, that, then you have, uh, you know, a two dollar and seventy-five tip. Another way you might do that too is before you go out, figure out ahead of time if if your meal is close to fifteen dollars, what would you give a tip? If it's between twenty and twenty-five dollars, what would you give as a tip? And don't worry about. And don't no, worry about yeah. percentage, just, just figure ahead of time. Okay, it's between $20 and $25, so I'm, I'm going to give $3, you know, or something like that. Just, or it's $30 to $35, I'm going to give $6. Plan ahead, and that way you really don't have to sit there and think about it. Okay, I'm just going to try to pick out a few of these because... You know, we all know about it. It's, it's easy to talk about restaurants and things, but some of the other things you just sometimes don't know. And we can't just look around and see what other people are doing either. So sometimes that's not always so easy. Um, in this article that is, um, um, like I say, it's from CNN. It's on, I just found it by doing a Google for rules for tipping, and it came up as the number one article. And it, uh, one of the things it says, it's not the 1980s anymore. You can't buy gas for a buck a gallon, and you shouldn't tip the person who uh, parks our car at the restaurant. Well, we're not going to be parking our car, but we are going to be going in. It says not to tip them less than five dollars. So that was a that was that puts it in perspective, though, because back in in the 80s, you would tip them a dollar or two for parking your car, whereas now they tip five. And it says um, if you go on a tour. Uh, somewhere. Bill, I guess this would be like your uh, cruise. Um, you, for outstanding tour leaders, you tip 
20 percent um, on a tour. Now, I wouldn't usually think of that because I don't go on too many tours other than what's arranged by ACB, and that's all figured into the ticket. So, um, in the hotel, those rooms don't clean themselves. Often unseen, hotel housekeepers rarely get a thank you. Um, you can slip two to five dollars a day under the pillow to ensure that the right person receives the tip. And, and some people just kind of do it at the end. Um, but that goes back to Bill's point about tipping them because they're going to clean up more dog hair in this room than they would in mine where I don't have a dog. So, um, <laughs> well, <laughs> is this annoying? Yes. Legally required? No. Basically expected? Sometimes yes. Sometimes no. Um, you can, you can um, generally not add to the tip jar on the counter if you don't want to, and, and it's still socially acceptable, um, but uh, when it's a different type of tip, you're almost expected to tip today. So, um, you know, that just, that's just kind of a commentary on how it's looked on. No need to pay for smiles, doors opened, or highlighting a city map. Um, or to tip each individual member of the Bellman tag team between the curb, the lobby, and the guest room. One handout, one to two dollars per bag, when you've reached your room will suffice. And now, if you've got five or six bags, you know, that's going to be a pretty darn good tip. Now usually, you know, I, I usually give like five if they take take time when I get to the room to show me where the thermostat is, um, find the soft drink machine. You know, sometimes we want a little extra. I may want them to separate the shampoo and the lotion. And those are things that a sighted person doesn't have the, um, the, bell, the bellman to do. So if they're doing something extra, I'll give them a dollar or two extra for that. And, you know, going into, say, a convention, if I've got three or four bags, well, then I'm going to give them more. Um, lifting your luggage is no easy feat. One to two, one dollar per bag or two dollars for heavier bags will be much appreciated by airport skycaps. Well, again, if they're helping us more, um, you know, a sighted person's down at the baggage claim and... Um, and they and the skycap comes up and helps with their luggage. But if they meet us at the plane and they walk down, as I will say that I I often you know I figure on a couple of dollars a bag. Um, and if I get lousy help, it's not going to be anything more than that. And if I get really lousy help, it may be less. But um, you know they they are doing more for us. So it's average tip for limo taxis and paid shuttle drivers is 15% of the total fare, or 20% for a driver that works miracles behind the wheel. So, um, you know, that's kind of the same thing as the restaurant, according to CNN. And on the haircut. All right, and the haircut. Uh, I think, what, uh, Carl and others, 15%, uh, I think, just good on that. If, if a haircut, I don't, I don't know what... 
women's haircuts go for these days? It's about thirty dollars. Twelve dollars. Okay, then then again, you know, two or three dollars would be three dollars would be twenty five percent. So that'd be very generous. So five, too much, five, five would probably be too much for the haircut. Unless you know the person. If you know the person, you like them. And, you know, if they give you a little extra service, you know. And, and if you can afford it, you know, you have to know what your income is. And, and kind of consider that, too, because your income is as important to you as theirs is to them. So keep that don't, don't over tip if you really can't afford it. Okay. All right, and let's see, uh, Debbie, what's that? Yeah. Um, one of the things that, that I experienced is I'm going through airports and stuff, and a lot of times you've got time to, you know, time to, because they help you get where you're going faster than you maybe would ordinarily, you've got time to maybe find something to eat. And I found that, you know, you tip people, that they're more than happy to help you do stuff like that, find food, um, I've had some say, look, you stay there, I'll just, I'll go get it when I bring it back to you. And, you know, give them a nice tip for that, because that, I mean, that, that, that's just so amazing and helpful. It's, uh, I've experienced that many times. But it so might never right. keep you from starving. I that is correct. All right, well, thank you all. Um, I did want to mention one other thing, and that is, if you get really lousy service, let's say in a restaurant, and you might say to yourself, I'm not going to tip that person at all. Well, that's reasonable. But I would ask you not to say, I'm just going to leave them a nickel. Or I'm just going to leave them two cents and let them know what I think. And the reason why I say that is that that makes you look cheap as much as them. Now, what you might do is tip and then, you know, not be real generous but leave something and then maybe contact the manager of the business and, and let them know but or like i said not to leave anything but don't don't be cheap and, and leave you know seven cents or something like that 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 doesn't prove anything so all right i, I think that should wrap it up then thank you all i just love counting twenty-five thousand. 30,000 if I had my way. What's this? What's this? Isn't it a bit early for this? It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's not too early. Especially if you plan to contribute to the fourth annual ACB Radio Holiday Auction. Well then, I suppose you have plans telling them how they might contribute. Well, yeah, mister, we sure do. So come on, get busy. The deadline for contributing auction items is fast approaching. We need to know about your item by October 15th and receive all non-perishable items in our Minneapolis office by November 1st. All donors will be positively recognized in a myriad of wonderful ways. So come on, get busy, mister. I, I suppose you could give me the details, but I make no promises. About donating items? 
contact the Minneapolis office at 612-332-3242. I just love muffins with prickly pear jelly inside and other treats. Can I have them? Of course you'll have to buy them, mister. I never. <laughs> just when is this auction? Sunday, December 6th. Much more about that soon. Now, uh, mister, would you happen to be Ebenezer Scrooge? Am I who? <laughs> bah. Humbug. What do you think? Page three. On the phone with me is Helena Keaton. Helena is a first-time uh, interviewee on Soundprints. She has an interesting job that I think many people will like to hear about. But the most interesting thing is how she has made this job uh, accessible for her as a blind person. About a year and a half ago, we did an interview on Soundprints with Byron Sykes about an application process for this same type of job. And so this is kind of a follow-up. Welcome, Helena. Good morning. Helena, you are um, currently, you are working at the, I guess you can work both at the Yum Center in downtown Louisville and at the uh, fairgrounds. And you do a variety of interesting things. So tell us about your job, and then we'll kind of tie this all in with uh, what we have done before. Yes, um, I work with venue services. So we provide um, service at events such as greeters, ticket takers, ushers, um, concierge, um, items like that, the, the employees that helps an event to go off successfully to take care of the public. Like when I come in and I have a ticket but I have no idea where I'm going, you might be a person that I would come to and say, where is section so-and-so? Or I might not even know what section I'm in. Can you tell me where I'm supposed to be? That is correct. As a greeter uh it, we are the front line for helping people to get to the right area to find their seats. And then, if as a greeter, if I can just get them to their area, to the ramp they need to enter to get to their seat, then the uh, ushers can assist them further. Okay, so a person comes in and they, they have no idea... Um where they're supposed to be going, and they come to you. And do you, uh, as as a blind person, do you kind of get a double take from some of these people here? Oh, how are you going to tell me where I'm supposed to be? Well, ultimately, I do not just um, volunteer that information. Well, of course not. Yeah. I um, ask them, uh, you know, do they know depending on which venue I'm at, uh, mm -hmm. which ramp do they need to enter mm -hmm. or which section they are in. Mm -hmm. And if they cannot tell me that, well, then I assist them in reading their ticket. Now, I am not reading it 
you know, myself mm-hmm. because of being totally blind. Mm-hmm. But I assist them in learning where that information is on their ticket. And then once we obtain that information, then I can direct them from there exactly how to get to that location. Now, you know, this this is just really, um, I think this is really interesting because these venues, for people who are listening outside of Louisville, um, the uh, Freedom Hall at the fairgrounds, um, that seats, what, 19,000, 20,000 people. And the Yum Center downtown seats 22,000, 23,000 people. So these are huge places. These are not little small places with little small halls and, you know, five rooms down one side and four rooms down the other. These are, are, you know, places where you have major concerts and things. So what did you do when you obtain this position to, you know, to, to get the information that you needed in order to be helpful to the people who are coming in and not have to turn around and ask someone else all the time. I asked my employer, I asked them to uh, provide me with maps um, of this information, such as the section numbers in the arena, um, and then as a greeter, sometimes your questions are not only for where my seats are, but how do I get to my car, being that we have several exits mm-hmm. out of our arena to many, many parking lots. So, like I said, I asked my employer for a copy of this information, and then I worked with someone who was cited to you know, give me this information so that I could either memorize it in some kind of way or record it or whatever. But with that information, it has enabled me to do my job very well to the point that I have acquired a lot of confidence from my employer and also my coworkers. And I think the, the big point here is that you didn't wait for some counselor to come along and say, hey, Helena, you know, this might be a good idea if you do this. Um, This sounds like um, you you took the initiative to make this happen and to make yourself um, valuable in in that position. That is very true. I, I believe, you know, anything I do in my life, and especially my work, to give it 150%, and not wait on others to provide, to, you know, self, self-advocate self and to ask for what is needed. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now you do some other things. You, you aren't just a greeter. Tell us about some of the other things that you do. That is true. Um, although I work under the umbrella of venue services i also work for the premium services department where i get to do concierge work that is really where my heart is so that i could be asked numerous questions regarding several different aspects so in the premium services department i do get to work in the ticket office so i get to work with the ticket master um and what we do is we deal in our suites or boxes around the arena um, for larger groups of people um, and also for our VIP seating 
um, which is a special seating area in our loge area, and which is like the three sections closest to the stage on both sides of the arena. And working with this department, um, you know, we're working with uh, probably a more elite group, more businesses or, um, you know, high executives. But, and then when the event goes on, then I sit at the concierge desk where if any of those um, suite holders have any questions, they can come to us and we will take care of any issues. And I am still open to the general public to do like my greeting job. If someone walks up, whatever their concern is, I need to address it. That would seem to be very interesting because it would be um, that you could have any a variety of questions. And um, so you've got to really be prepared at any given time to be able to to, to meet a number of different um, needs, have, have information on a variety of things. I would think that would be very interesting and, and sometimes challenging. It can be. It, it really can be. But I like the fact that it's not the same old, same old. Oh, I yeah. mean, it could be anything from where is first aid to um, I lost this item, where can I mm-hmm. see if it's been turned in to... Uh, where is this certain event going on, or we need catering in our suites, or it, it just could be a numerous mm-hmm. uh, a, amount of things. Yeah, yeah, They're really good. Now these, um, so basically both of these areas of service are through, are they through the State Fair Board? That- yes, the Kentucky mm-hmm. State Fair Board, yes. Right, right. So then you would work the fair? Yes, I have done that. Well, that's got to be a challenge. <laughs> it. We have an 11-day fair here in Kentucky, and um, and we also at that same time have the World Championship Horse Show going on. That is our event. It's not held anywhere else, and that is a week-long event for uh, saddle-bred horses. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yes, we and we also have a lot of other different activities going on during the fair time, you know, as far mm-hmm. as our agriculture or things for health, mm-hmm. um, you know, things for the children, uh, vendors selling mm-hmm. uh, merchandise. So, yes, there is a lot going on and a lot of information to engulf to be able to pass along. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then do you work things like, um, like the North American Livestock Show that's coming up here soon? Uh, you yes, work those it, kinds of things too. Yes, yes. Our uh, that is coming up in November, and we also have a rodeo that is part of that. So for that rodeo, we do the VIP seating. We do offer the suites, um, and, and then of course, like I said, greeting is always necessary during events. When we spoke with Byron um, about, oh, I guess it was probably maybe it was February. Or March. Um, it, it was in the early part of 2014. Um, he had talked about that application process and how he went out there and, you know, you, you can't always expect someone to be right there to 
to help all the time and you got to you know you got to come up with your own solutions or ways to work around things and did you find that true also in in that process and as you've done this job yes um it was quite an interesting type of interview being that it was a group interview and there was oh i don't know probably 50 or more people in this one interview so what i did um you know they would tell us to go to a certain place there would be a color and shape on the floor so yes i did receive assistance with that but we stood in two long lines and we had a number that was uh, designated to us. So when that number is called, you step out and answer some questions. And once that is complete, you step back into your place. And then the next part of the interview was to, there was signs on the wall giving various information about our venues. And you needed to do your best to memorize this information because you would be questioned on it. And so... I did have assistance for that. They walked me over to the signs, and they did read the signs for me and uh, put me back in place. Um, so it, I did not need assistance all the way through the interview, but at times someone would come up to me and give me that assistance, which definitely said something to me about the employer, that they are trying to be accommodating and fair to all, uh, but yet addressing, you know, special needs. Yeah, that, that's that's really significant in that they, they would do that and that they would offer to do that without you having to say, well, now, you know, I, I really need this or that or the other. So that's that's really good. Let's, let's switch off for a minute, if you don't mind. Um, you uh, told me last week when we chatted that you were in the process of working on getting another part-time job and this job is 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 part-time I guess you can um, sometimes pick and choose how much you work or when or whatever so um, now you'll be you're working on getting another part-time job and I'll tell you Helena a lot of times blind people have a hard time as you know just getting one job let alone two so um, Tell us how you'll how that will all fit together, um, or how you're hoping that will fit together with maybe needing to use paratransit and all that to get from one place to another. How, how what would you say to someone who's thinking about going down that road? Uh, yes. Well, um, first and foremost, I, I do want to say it is difficult as a visually impaired or blind person to get a job. Number one, uh, because when I lost my remaining vision in 2008, I did not get hired until 2014, and I was actively looking for a job. So, but being that I got the job at the Kentucky Fair and Exposition Center, um, I do want to stay loyal to that for the reason that, you know, for the fact that they gave me an opportunity to show my talents and skills, and they believe so much in me. So that job I do in the ticket office, I do that during the day, and and then if we have a special event, which is usually in the evening or on the weekend, um, so the way I looked at it, it opened up that my evenings were still available, and so I did. I, I looked towards another job at the Census Bureau, 
in southern Indiana. And their work schedule is in the evening, so many evenings a week, and then one shift on the weekend. So to me, I felt like I could fit that in, Mm -hmm. even if it might mean taking our paratransit service from my first job to my second job. Mm-hmm. I have not started that job yet. Um, you know, I have applied, been approved, and waiting for training to start. But I do see how this is possible, being that they are two part-time jobs, um, you know, occupying a different part of the day. Right, right. Well, I think that the the, the thing that you demonstrate is the, the quality that you demonstrate is flexibility and um, you know, making things fit together, not not expecting things to always be absolutely just so. You know, we can't always dictate the times that we work, and we can't always dictate the times things happen. And sometimes people don't understand, or they just don't um, pick up on that. They they'll, they'll go in and apply for a job. Well, I'm going to tell the employer when I can work. You know, and and sometimes that might be possible, but other times, you know, you have to kind of change and. And also make things fit. I think the, I think, I think your your comments about asking for the maps of the parking lot and the maps of the the area, all the seating areas, and so on. I think that's just real significant because that took you deciding to get that done. You know, probably nobody said, Helena, you got to do this." You know, you were saying, "Please, you know, let me." Let me do this. And I think that's real significant. So I really appreciate you um, taking the time to talk with me today and, and tell us about it. Is there anything else that you would like to to say to people who maybe are out there looking for similar kinds of work? Uh, yes, I would say, um, you know, hang in there because it is rough trying to find a job. It's you know, it can be very discouraging, and, and the time frame is not for what you want, and then you can get numerous responses, some of them really being true to the fact, and some of them being just something they can declare that, uh, <laughs> you know, means so much more. But And I, I do want to say, too, that my success is uh, due to my Office for the Blind also, because they did provide me with orientation and mobility services. And I have had that, I would say, three times uh, because of the different venues I work at and and then the areas I want to cover more, um, you know, very comprehensively. But and, and then also the equipment that I have needed to do my job as far as a braille display and a specific headphones with a microphone to use with the phone and my computer and scanners and digital recorders and so they have been very supportive and that also plays in with my success but a lot of it is up to me what I want to portray to people and what you know I want to ask for and then to show you know, my own independence, what I can do once I have been given that information. So, but just to hang in there, it, Mm -hmm. it can be hard, but it can be accomplished. Well, and I think that you touched on one other thing here too, and that is that, you know, in talking about the O&M training and the, 
the equipment, the adaptive equipment that um, OFB made available and so on. Sometimes we say, people will say, well, they didn't get that job for me. I got that job for myself. They didn't really help me with that job. But, you know, if, 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 you, go and, if you go and apply for a job, you go for the interview for the job, whether they told you about the job or not, if they provide the orientation and mobility, that's, that is, you know, just because that O&M counselor works for the Office for the Blind doesn't mean there's not a cost to the caseload related to that. The equipment is very expensive. So even if you, even if you get the job yourself, um, the training, all those other things that go into it, um, it's, it's a partnership. And, it definitely and, is. Yeah, and I think we sometimes forget that. that and everybody and everything plays its role in right. success. So That's right. I, I like to give credit where credit is due. Absolutely. And and when they're buying a bunch of equipment, just a braille display, my goodness, you know. That's, that, yeah, that's not that's not cheap. We can't just go out and find an O&M person anywhere on the street. So all of those things are important. And, and if it's a partnership, then uh, there can be success that can come out of the process. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And <laughs> thank uh, you. Very much appreciate you taking time this morning to talk with us. Thanks. All right. Thank okay. you. Find books and more in accessible media with APH's free of charge Louis Database http colon slash slash l-o-u-i-s dot a-p-h dot org. Locate accessible educational materials from nearly 200 different agencies. APH products and textbooks can also be located using Louis. New extended searching now available with free Louis Plus. Visit soon. http colon slash slash l-o-u-i-s dot a-p-h dot org. Many book materials help Braille users jot notes quickly. Pull APH's mini-book Braille binder out of your pocket and begin to write on the mini-book slate in just seconds. Materials are sold separately so that you can choose the combination that's right for you. Call the American Printing House for the Blind, toll-free, 800-223-1839, or visit www.aph.org. Page 4, The Sound Prince Calendar. Greater Louisville Council of the Blind events are held at United Crescent Hill Ministries, 150 State Street in Louisville. The GLCB phone number is 502-895-4598. The phone number for Bluegrass Council is 859-259-1834. October 15 is White Cane Safety Day. There will be a celebration from 10 to noon at the Northern Kentucky Police Station at 20th and Madison. For more information, call the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind at 859-781-7369 or email northernkentucky at kentucky-acb.org. White Cane Day will also be celebrated between 11.30 a.m. and 1 p.m. at 4th Street Live in Louisville. For information, contact GLCB or email louisville at kentucky-acb.org. On October 16, the GLCB Roundabout 
will include education and technology from 3.30 to 6. The discussion topic on the 16th will be an intro to Amazon and eBay shopping, and it will be at 5 p.m. Dinner is $5 and will be at 6.15. Then, games and crafts between 7 and 10. All at United Crescent Hill Ministries. Give us a call at 895-4598 to sign up. On October 17, visit Carol Ann's Carousel between 9.30 and 11 a.m. This is an opportunity for visually impaired guests to explore the animal characters while the carousel is stationary. Sighted volunteer assistance will be available as needed. It's at Smale Waterfront Park in Cincinnati. Call 859-547-5565 and leave your name and phone number. You'll receive a return call to confirm reservations. On October 18, the KSB alumni will meet on the conference line at 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. And on October 19, the Kentucky Council of the Blind will hold its meeting also at 8 p.m. on the same conference line. On October 20, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, SAVVY, will have its meeting from 1 to 3 p.m. Central. It will celebrate White Cane Safety Day at the corner of 2nd and St. Anne Streets in downtown Owensboro. For more information, call Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418 or Bill Roberts at 270-485-8170. You can email Owensboro at kentucky-acb.org. On October 21, the Charles McDowell Center will have an open house. It's the third annual open house for the McDowell Center, and it's from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. There will be product demonstrations, tours, information sharing, refreshments, and more at the McDowell Center, 8412 Westport Road in Louisville. On October 22, the KCB Conference Planning Committee will meet at 8.30 p.m. on the conference line at 605-475-6006, code 294444. On October 23, the Statewide Rehabilitation Council will hold its regular meeting between 9.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. at the McDowell Center in Louisville. Contact Jennifer Wright at 502-564-4754 for more information. Also on October 23, at the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Roundabout, the general discussion topic will be Easy Crock-Pot Recipes at 5 p.m. Other education and technology activities begin at 3.30. Dinner is $5 a person at 6.15, and that will be pizza, and it will be followed by bingo, cards, and crafts from 7 to 10 at United Crescent Hill Ministries. On October 24, the American Printing House for the Blind will have a Halloween masks workshop, 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. You'll use tactile materials to make scary and friendly masks and headdresses. Call the APH Museum at 502-899-2213 to sign up. October 25 is the Holiday Gift Giving Ideas Telephone Workshop at 9 p.m. Sponsored by ACB Families at 605-475-6333 605-475-6333 and the code is 1711553.
You do not need to be a member of ACB families to participate. On October 26, Guide Dog Users of Kentucky will hold its next membership call at 7 p.m. 605-475-6006, code 294444. On October 28 is the Bluegrass Council 40th Anniversary Open House. From 12 to 6 p.m., lunch is 12 to 1, at the Bluegrass Council Community Room, 1093 South Broadway, Suite 1230 in Lexington. Call them to make reservations. On October 30, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will hold its final roundabout of the month. Call for more information. On November 13 and 14, the KCB Conference and Convention will be held at the Ramada Inn North in Louisville. We'll be celebrating 50 golden years of service and advocacy to Kentuckians who are blind or visually impaired. Make hotel reservations by October 30. Rooms are $75 a night plus tax. Call the hotel at 502-897-5101 by October 30 and be sure to tell them that you are with the Kentucky Council of the Blind to receive our highly discounted rate. On December 5, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will hold its Christmas party at the United Crescent Hill Ministries. There will be dinner, games, caroling, kids' activities, and, of course, Santa. $5 a person from 5 to 9 p.m. at UCHM. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.